Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome into Attacking Third. Sandra Herrera, Darian Jenkins, Lisa Carlin, and Jenny Chu here for you guys on this beautiful Monday. We're going to go ahead and run through a little bit of news here to start things off. Um, And then we're going to get everyone's opinion on everything. So I will check in on y'all just quickly. The Chicago Red Stars have hired a new general manager in Richard Foyts. We're going to get into that with Sandra Herrera. There are some rumors coming out that Lika Martins is coming to the NWSL. We're going to go ahead and talk about where we think she could land. And we will discuss the Lindsay Horan interview from The Athletic that has been the talk of the town around Woso communities um, as well. So first of all, let's just do this right off the bat. Lika Martins coming to the NWSL. Lisa, where do you see her going? Oh, yeah, I like this one, Jenny. Um, She's a player that knows how to score, find the back of the net. And frankly, Houston needs that. I've been riding that train for a while here on Attacking Third. (laughs) Houston, they need players that can score goals, frankly, that create chances. Um, They acquired a few in the offseason, right? I think Yuki Nagasato is going to provide in the attack. Of course, they have Maria Sanchez and Diana Diana Ordonez, but they need a little bit more. I think Martins could really add a lot of depth in that front line for Houston, but um, I don't know how appealing that is for her to come to to the States, right, and play with a team that hasn't had a lot of success in the postseason. So um, I I like this rumor, though. If we get another international at the top of their game in the United States, like that's only going to continue to make the NWSL just grow and grow and grow and get better and more competitive. I like it. I'm I'm shocked you said Houston. I don't know why that it did not cross my mind (laughs) to think of Houston just now, but I really, really like thinking about her in some old perp. My pride girl okay. is at okay. Orlando. Think of that Marta, the Adriana connection that she could have. Um, I think also they're looking for a striker, another staple striker that's consistent and a good winger um, that will link play a lot more. I think that's something maybe they need more pieces of to play the style that Seb Hines wants them to play. Uh, so I could see that. And Orlando's not a bad place to live. You're by the beach, Disney. Oh. <laughs> Food's okay. I don't know if you buy the beach. Food's not great. You're not really by the beach. The the recruitment. You can drive. (laughs) You can drive to the beach. You can drive to a beach. You heard it here first. There is cheap Disney. Then yeah, don't go there. I don't know. Okay, so we're we're thinking south, southeast. We got Houston. We got Florida. We got Orlando now. Oh, I don't know. I, you know, my it piqued my curiosity. Who doesn't love a rumor, right? I we all love them. So I, it made me think automatically. Like, 
yes, of course, where could she land? What are the team needs, you know, across the 14 clubs that we've got right now? But I'm also thinking, like, what are the connects, right? So, I mean, Washington Spirit, maybe? Like, this is a player that has played for multiple European sides at this point. One of them, FC Barcelona, a few years back. Jonathan Hiraldez is going to, you know, be back in the mix for, for the Spirit. They've obviously shaken some things up a little bit. Maybe this is a player they want to bring in into the mix to to make things and keep things even more interesting moving forward for the spirit. So, you know, they're rumors and we're all like playing wishes. So why not? I'm going to say spirit. I like that shout, actually, for her to go to Washington. That's a little bit more logical um, than what I was thinking in terms of like who needs her the most. <laughs> no logic. No logic. With oh, rumors. Yeah. As soon as no logic equals about she's where she's combining with and who she would combine well, yeah. I was like, well, I was just thinking on her end, where would she want to go? California is always an easy one to That's say. Too. But um, I was thinking San Diego Wave just in terms of like if I was coming from abroad and I was coming to the United States, I'm thinking – where would I sure. love to live in the San Diego States? is actually by the beach, Darian. Yes. <laughs> is it, Lisa? I didn't you know. know. What? Darian, I was <laughs> reading you know what? this morning at breakfast, and it said that at any point in Florida, you are never further than 60 miles away from, an, from a beach. And I was like, oh, I don't see, know. 60 miles, that. guys. 60. Yeah. <laughs> random no, fact I say, I say all spirit. right she's not going I to orlando spirit. she's not going okay, to houston so either so. Move forward here. Um, going to houston. chicago red stars hire of richard foyts and how you feel about it because obviously you have been reporting on the chicago red stars for so long and, and have some expertise here yeah i i think look it's it's a little bit of finality here i think it's like the final piece to the puzzle that the club has been waiting to kind of fill for for some time. So they've taken some active steps to go ahead and put together a, a front office and executives that can really kind of finally steer this club into this uh, new era. And I think they had a number of items on their checklist that they had to mark off maybe before they made certain hires. They needed, they wanted to go out there and get a club president, Laura Ricketts and the new ownership group made that their first priority. Then they wanted to get a head coach that was obviously of immediate priority for them as well. So they wanted to check that off of the bench as well. So I think when you're looking at sort of the grand scheme of things, I think there are folks who are going to look at this announcement and be curious about it. This might be a new name for for some folks who say, who maybe don't follow, uh, you know, Switzerland and in their league, and they might say Servette Football Club. Hmm, okay, was well, CEO of the club since 2020. So he's coming from a women's soccer background, and I think that is also of equal importance to to the club uh, moving forward. But I think the you know I think the timing for some people might be a little curious as well. I think there might be the concept of a of a general manager to come on in and make sure you oversee those operations, head coaching side of things, as well as player development, but also putting together a team and a roster. And this is a, a candidate that they officially hired who's coming in kind of a little bit mid preseason already. So he's coming into a team that maybe he didn't necessarily have a direct hand in putting together this roster moving forward into 2024. So I'm curious to see um, maybe some later moves down the line, how he's going to continue to operate with this team uh, moving forward. Beautiful, Sandra. We're going to go ahead and continue to follow that. Lisa, is there anything you wanted to add there? 
Yeah, this is a huge step for Chicago because this is a side that has gone through a lot of turmoil over the last several years with former head coach Rory Dames and then having new ownership come in. It's going to take a while for this Chicago side to rebuild and to get back where they want to be in terms of playing on the pitch, getting into the postseason, competing for an NWSL title, but also in terms of how they want to be on as an organization with making sure that they are one of the best in the world to play at and that it is competitive and players are fighting to be there and to stay there. And this is a a step in the right direction for them, hiring a GM that can hopefully come in and kind of create some stability. And it's not going to happen overnight. Um, Babette Peters, Peter is there as well. She is assistant GM. And I had the pleasure of speaking with her ahead of the NWSL draft about kind of all the work that's been done and what needs to continue happen. And with Chicago, they They are trying to hire people that can do and succeed in those positions, including herself, Peter, and being a former player and understanding what these players are going through. And now to bring in Richard in this this case as the GM to hopefully use his experience abroad in order to continue to grow and just provide a different wrinkle to the club in order for them to continue to get better and and grow overall. It's steps in the right direction. It's not going to happen overnight, but steps in the right direction for the Red Stars. Absolutely. I do think that Sandra's good point about the timing is interesting. It is a good one to point out there. But all right, let's go ahead and talk about the one I've been waiting for. Um, the Lindsay Horan interview from The Athletic is something that really did Um, take some turns on social media. People had opinions about it. People were talking about it. And you know what? Whether positive or negative, we love to see women's soccer just kind of in the conversation that people are having. I had a lot of questions. I was at a wedding about how I felt about them. So this is something that Attacking Third Crew definitely wanted to cover here. Obviously, um, the article comes out by Meg Lenahan. It's called Lindsay Horan, U.S. Women's National Team Captain, Just Wants to Talk Soccer. And I think that some quotes were kind of taken out of that to make it seem a little more luring um, than maybe was meant to be. Um, I'm going to go ahead and get your guys' opinions on this because there are no right or wrongs here, just how we decided to interpret the information that was given here. Um, Darian, why don't you kick us off? Yeah, I I mean, I don't disagree with what Lindsay was saying. I think the snippets that were taken from it and kind of blown up around like Twitter and on media – Of course, it's going to be misconstrued if you don't have the full context of the interview and what she was really saying, which is in large part to the lack of media coverage in the U.S. around women's soccer. So, of course, when you watch it, people are speaking to a fan that maybe doesn't have the same access to in Europe, where you're able to watch and consume the language of football and what everything means day in and day out. And that's what's in the news. Like, soccer's never been our biggest sport here. So the fact that she's saying... There's a part of the the interview where she was talking about how um, like her mom even just takes what the commentators say as fact and never even challenges it or just kind of regurgitates it. And my mom does the same thing. Like a lot of people end up doing that because there's never that <laughs> shout out to Monica. I love you. But there's never been that <laughs> much, much media coverage and let alone opportunity to dive deeper into what everything means and have a kind of variety of opinions about it. So I don't disagree with her. We don't have the most, I don't know, expansive vocabulary about it because we've never had the platform to do it, especially in women's soccer. So it's going to get better, obviously, with the NWCL new media rights deal. But um, yeah, I honestly, I liked it. I like that she's a straight shooter. Um, she likes the kind of uh, 
like commentary when people are challenging the U.S. Women's National Team or critical of their game or critical of her game even. Like that's part of what we do in sports. That's part of why people like to perform is you go out and prove these haters wrong or, you know, you take it with a grain of salt. I'm like, yeah, that wasn't my best game. Um, but I think I'm, I, I like it and I think it just goes to show that, yeah, we've had a lack of coverage and opportunity to speak on this stuff before, but it's just going to get better. Yeah, I agree a lot of with what you're saying, Darian. And another, a lot of the poll quotes from this article is what blew up and probably yeah. why we're talking about it right now. And if you go and read the whole article, I think readers will get a much fuller sense of what Lindsay Horan was trying to convey and the message that she wanted to get across in this interview. And it, I mean, in terms of growing up in America, we have soccer is not the biggest sport. It is not even the top two biggest sports, right? As in terms of professional and what's happening. And that has changed drastically. Even over my lifetime as a kid growing up, I wasn't watching soccer every chance I got. I was watching football and basketball and baseball and soccer when I could, but it wasn't on the forefront of my mind on my television every single day or the conversations in the classroom as a kid or on the recess yard. That's not what we were. I was doing as a kid, and yet I get the privilege and the pleasure to work in it every day. Whereas in Europe, that's what those kids are doing. They are waking up and watching soccer. They're playing it in the yard. They're playing it at school, in the street, on teams, organized, and just – it's fully immersed in the sport. And in America, it's not at all like that. And I don't think that that's right or wrong by any means. And when you look at Lindsay Horan and her career as a soccer player, she knew what she wanted from a very, very early age. She was one of the very first players to forego college. She had committed to UNC and decided I'm not and I'm not going to play in college at UNC. I'm going to go overseas and play for PSG in France because I want to play and I want to play a French style of soccer overseas, not in America. And the fact that Haran did that, knew what she wanted to do, was able to do that. She has played in the NWSL, of course, but she likes it better over there. I think mm -hmm. that's fine. That's great, honestly, because it, as a U.S. international, she then brings that experience back to the women's national team here in America, and it just adds a different wrinkle to the game. She she even quotes in this article, I want professionalism. She wanted that when she was 18, and that's why she didn't play collegiately. You know what? Correct me if I'm wrong here. When she did originally go to play in France, there was like a little bit of a stir about that professionalism that was expected of her. Like she had to dress a certain way, pregame, postgame for interviews, like certain type of diet potentially. Like I don't remember. There was definitely like conversation around it needing to be more professional than she had ever experienced it here in the States. Am I, am I misquoting that there, Sandra? I don't think you're – I think you're maybe not misquoting it, but I think you're trying to connect some things that – are relevant to her current comments. But I mean, we also have to remember that there are also experiences that Lindsay Horan had in France that she was not fond of. Yeah. So there's also that yes. as, as well, which I think is what you're alluding to. Um, and, you know, if that's been well documented, it's been well reported on, folks can feel free to go and, and, and catch up on that. But for this context, for what we're talking about right now in this conversation, uh, I think maybe that maybe that is the part that, that ruffles some some feathers a little bit. I think I think that's where we are with it now. As a matter of fact, I think it's like it's a scenario. It's a case of where look at all these many things that can exist and be true at the same time. You know, we've got a, a couple of, of our pundits here with Lisa Darian saying, look, there's a couple of those things that she mentioned inside that article that I, you know, uh, agree with or I could see her perspective on, you know, but I think there's also some other things within there where it's like, well, 
maybe the perspective is is different if you're talking to people who are vested into uh, the game or watching it week in, week out. You know, maybe not alluding to the fact that there are folks who dedicate themselves to to following uh, the sport a bit. You know, I think that's kind of where it sort of feels like things are right now. Um, There's been some a few days for folks to kind of maybe digest those things and maybe they're thinking about it differently or maybe they're still standing on their own own opinions around it. I think in regards to, to the professionalism, I think that's also something that's a matter of perspective as well. You know, I think I think the way that some players want to navigate their careers or operate within their clubs, whether that means they want to show off some of their personality, I think some of that is also very uniquely uh, American. I think when you, when she's utilizing a specific example of a team photo, I think that's something to to celebrate, but I'm someone of a different, obviously here of a different opinion, of a different perception. I'm sure if you ask someone else, they'd say, knock that stuff off, you know? So I think it's all about, it's all about perception, which is a lot of people's reality. And I think in this case, you're talking to one in, in Lindsay Horan and she says, I want a little bit more of this. I want a little bit more of just the, the football versus some of these, these other things. And I'm not going to sit here and say that she's incorrect or wrong in saying that. I'm just going to say that those are opinions and that's what she felt. And she said it, she said those things to a reporter. They're in an article. And I'm, uh, I'm also just sort of still stuck on the fact that she, she utilized her own mother as kind of like in, in, in the <laughs> highlight. You know what I'm saying? Like she used her mom to highlight that example. Darian also is over here, like using her mom. I love you, mom. Ex- yeah, exactly. Like using, using an example of that as well. I'm someone who's reported on the game and I could probably use my own parents who maybe don't uh, follow or watch specifically the women's side of the game, let alone soccer and say, they've maybe asked me a question or two to kind of, you know, clear to, to clarify some things for them. So I, I would imagine that if you are someone who follows this sport in this country, you're going to see though that sentence and get set off. Right. I, and I think that that's a completely understandable thing. You're going to say like, Hey, Hey, now I'm someone who's vested in this sport. I enjoy watching it. I root for that team. I, Maybe you're someone you're like, hey, I try to follow your your game across uh, across overseas, and I struggle to maybe even try to find access to that. But I I find your games and and I watch it. So I think um you know the the that one specific sentence out of a out of a larger um out of a larger article I think was always going to be the thing that people uh you know kind of clung to, and I think here we are about four or five days removed, and it's still the thing that folks are going to cling to. Right. Sandra, I definitely think that some people are upset by those comments um, based upon that quote to begin with. I think if we're talking about like different soccer cultures too, like that's part of it too. Mm -hmm. I think there are folks who are like, oh, like what does this say to other areas of the globally, like global footballing world? It's like, you know, why are you going to like, you know, this concept of like, oh, don't tear down, you know, our footballing culture for the sake of others. There's all that that comes with it as well. And I, and I get it. Like I said, there's a little part of it. I like when you, we can point out and look at certain aspects of um, NWSL soccer or U.S. Women's National Team soccer, and you can point it out and say that is something that is u- uniquely American, right? And I guess if, maybe if you ask you know, someone who strictly watches European football, they'll just be like, that's for crap. You're doing it incorrectly. You shouldn't <laughs> act like that. You shouldn't do, you know, you shouldn't do this. You should do that. And I think it's a very American thing to maybe kind of take that and say, well, I'm going to try to take that, do the opposite of it, maybe even be a little bit better at it. 
Well, um, Darian, obviously you play professional in France and you've played in the NWSL as well. Um, which do you feel was more or less professional or do you feel similar sentiment towards um, what Lindsay is saying here? Obviously, you you agree to a certain extent, but how was your experience in that sense? Uh, yeah, uh, it's a funny story uh, before I go on, but Lindsay and I roomed together a couple of times, I think for the U20 national team, something. And I remember being super nervous. I was like, oh my God, this girl plays in France. She's going to be so good. Wow, she's going to be so like French, intimidating, blah, blah, blah. Um, and I remember she's lovely. I love Lindsay. But our first training together, I can't remember what coach was there, but Lindsay dominated. Like the first day, it's nerves. Balls are flying around. It's crazy. It's chaotic. Uh, nobody can get a tempo. Everyone's really nervous. Lindsay was calm, cool, collected, clean on the ball. Um, I think if you were on her team, you won every small-sided game. And I was like, wow, I want to do what she's done. I want to go play in France when I get the opportunity. And it's actually part of the reason why I ultimately did. As far as the professionalism, I mean, that's football is their sport. That is their sport. We don't come up in that type of culture. So it's just different. There's much more of a respect for it there's much more of a palette for the knowledge of it and the nuances of how to talk about a game and the rules of the game and how that evolves and there's champions league like there, there's just so much more contextually there and with a deeper history that's so a part of their cultural identity that yeah it's more professional in that sense of just the nuances of it i think are are much more appreciated than they are in the u.s now in the u.s we have far better resources depending on which team you're on. But I think overall, you have far better resources. You fly everywhere. Um, you have training facilities. You get provided breakfast and lunch. Like tra- You have a multiple trainers. Um, it's it's just a different level. But also in France, like the game is like the Bible. It is, it, that is what they live, eat, and breathe. So it's just a different level of it. I wish that there was like the perfect combination of the two, which I think that we're going to get there. But uh, yeah, in France, it's it's no nonsense. I've never been in such serious film sessions or team meetings um, as it is in France. You sit a certain way. You don't speak. You don't eat. You don't drink. You listen. Um, everything's cut down by like 10-minute increments of where you're supposed to be, how you're supposed to show up, how you're supposed to dress. Your attire is completely different. Whereas in the U.S., I kind of hated that in France because you guys know I like to dress up. I like to do weird crap with my hair. Um, so it, that was not because that's an I American thing it. to do. It is. But it that's what I'm saying. Sure On the other is. side of it, that's like the cult of cultures are different. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, there's I, a point exactly. here you note on so that. correct there. Sandra, I mean, one of the things that I was kind of thinking about when all of this was happening was the difference with the Mexican national team in the U.S., because I can only pull from my own experience, is that um, with Mexico, we had a certain wardrobe every single time. We were not allowed to be seen in anything besides Mexico, um, top and bottom. And obviously, like, concentration, no phones, no internet, no whatever. And when I went with the U.S. national team camp at the same time, this is when I'm playing for both teams at the same time, I mean, we could do whatever we wanted in the sense of, you know, not whatever we wanted. But it was more free to go hang out with your family, go see your friends, go whatever while you're at camp. Um, yeah. Go to the mall and stuff. And with Mexico, it was like you stay in and you don't talk to anyone. You just come and train three times a day, whatever. And No, I, lo- I love that, though. That's, I, and I think it's important to get your experiences with playing with dual national teams like that and hearing Darian's as well, like, cause that's also part of this too, that, you know, it's not just about like, Oh, like Lindsay Horan came up in an interview and told Americans they were all laissez compétent. That's not what this is. This is like, there's some deeper things here that if we want to give some time to, we could 
talk about them. And we are, we're doing that. And I, I, when you're, again, it's all about perspective and where you're at coming from it globally. You could say footballing culture is like here in France, it's like this, A, B, C, D, playing and training out in Mexico. We had to do this, this, and this. I mean, we have examples here in the United States. I have spoken with international players. I've had interviews with international players who come to NWSL and are blown away at how they are actually able to navigate life with a little bit more freedom, where it actually isn't so much emphasis on the football. And for that, it has they have been grateful for that. Yuki Nagasato having one of her best career, like season career years during her time in Chicago alluded to that with me, a Japanese player saying, coming here, it's not actually always about the football. It's important because you're here to, that's our job and we're here to play that sport, but it's equally important to, to have freedoms outside of football, to do this, to have interests, to have hobbies. And that that was a uniquely, you know, different type of lens for her to get for one of the first times in her career. And that's someone who has played in for Japan, Germany, England, like she's someone who's been in where it also speaking with players who come to the United States and how they have learned again, another different type of footballing culture has benefited them as well. So that's a beautiful way to view it too. You know, like I, obviously it's different. That's a matter of fact in every country. And now we're doing it. We do have to go to a commercial here, but I do think it's a great conversation to touch on and no one is right or wrong in these things, right? Like I don't think anyone's dumb in comparison to us, but like, that's not what was said, you know what I mean? Like, or, or how we interpret it. It just depends upon our perception. Um, and, and how countries view the game, like like um, Darian has started us off there with France as an example. All right, there's plenty to talk about on this conversation, but I'm glad we got to touch on it a little bit. We do have to move on here and go to a commercial. But when we return, we're going to have Brandy Chastain joining us, co-founder of Bay FC. She'll be talking about womeninsoccer.org as well. Stay with us. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome back into Attacking Third. We are honored to have Brandy Chastain joining us today. Obviously, U.S. Women's National Team legend in her playing days and now co-founder and club owner of Bay FC. Brandy, we've spoken a few months ago on Attacking Third and we got to kind of get the lowdown of what your ideas were for this club. But how has the journey been so far? It's been amazing. I I was just down in Santa Barbara with Danielle Slayton, Allie Wagner, Leslie Osborne on the sideline watching our team our players, we actually have players and <laughs> watching them practice and sitting in with them at lunch and dinner and just getting to know them. And the fact that they're wearing their gear and they're kicking the ball around is just been phenomenal. It, it's a great group of people. Uh, I look forward to seeing them come the first uh, challenge, which will be the, in, uh, the Coachella invitational or whatever they're calling that uh, set of games that are happening down in Indio soon uh, and to see how we match up. Uh, it's going to be really exciting. The, the season is nearly here. March 16th. It's practically here. I mean, the fact that players have reported preseason has started, things are underway. You get to go there and actually 
watch training. I mean, how uh, that must be such a full circle moment for you and and the other co-founders that you're working with. When you're there and observing training, what have you noticed about head coach Albertine Montoya or the staff or the players at Bay FC? Well, I think number one is I've known Albertine for a long, long time. Uh, you know, his desire is for our team to play an entertaining style, value the ball, enjoy the small little touches, to use them efficient and effectively and to have fun. Uh, you know, he's iterated that many times during the training, during meetings that uh, we were fortunate enough to sit in on. And I think that will then bleed out into the stands and allow our fans to really enjoy what it is that the players will do best. Um, and that's play the great game. So we're, we're very excited about uh, what's in front of us. We we love our signings. We love the players on the roster and we're looking forward to cheering them on come the 16th of March. Lisa's so correct in that it's like literally just around the corner. And let's talk about some of those players a little bit more here. So uh, in terms of the core of this roster and the excitement that generally comes with the new expansion franchise. I mean, I'm one of those people. I'm rocking Cyber Rays, Bay Area Cyber Rays on my wall here. And I'm ex- I'm one of those people that's excited about it. So why, when it comes to the core of this roster, why was it important to, to maybe have some players who have previously had ties to the Bay Area or played in the Bay Area be part of this inaugural roster? Well, I think that's, that's an obvious one, Sandra, not, not to demean the question. I just think when you have a connection to a place or a community, a community knows you, they understand who you are as a person, they value uh, your work, That that's endearing. And I think that allows them to um, feel like they, they, there's roots here um, and that uh, the players understand the value of the community as well. So it's not just a one-way street. Uh, we had the luxury of sitting with the players and explaining to them you know, our journey and why this was important for the four of us and our love and our passion of the game, but also the community and how important our nine bridges and our nine counties are and what it what it means to be from the Bay Area, not only in in the soccer world, but really in just the ecosystem of Northern California and what we do globally. I mean, let, let's be honest, a, a lot of things that happen here in the Bay are these new ideations and it's innovation and it's changing the world. And that's what we hope to do. Building on to that question, you obviously brought in a lot of players from the Bay that have played in the Bay, grew up there, but you also brought in some heavy hitters, Oshwala, Castellanos, just to name two. How important was it to bring in players that are veterans that have this international experience onto this roster, especially in your debut year? Well, who doesn't want players who have had tremendous international experience or club experience at the highest level who have won trophies or played for trophies? Those those things are really important. Uh, If you've been there and done that, you have a basis from which to go forward from. But I think just, again, soccer is such a a wonderful sport for so many reasons. And I believe one of the reasons that it's so beautiful and and so eclectic is that all of these people are unique individuals and we need them to bring their mosaic to our puzzle so that our, that our ultimate picture at the end, when all the pieces fit together are harmonious and they make this great bigger picture. And so 
you know, Z, as we will call her, that's Oshawala's nickname. Uh, we, Z, Dana, um, our, you know, Alex Loera, Tess Bodie. I mean, the list goes on. We have players who are going to be a lot of fun to watch and they're going to bring their unique characteristics. And that's what we hope that they do every day, you know, that we want them to shine in a way that makes them feel good uh, on the inside. Because then as Alex likes to remind me every time she says, I'm going to go get my nails done. I'm like, oh my gosh. She goes, hey, Brandy, look good, play good. <laughs> I agree. She was right. Um, but Brandy, I did want to mention that I looked back on the interview that you did with Morning Footy and you specifically say you will be having internationals come into play. You will have locals. You will have everything. And I remember you you saying the international aspect and you've had the biggest international signings in this offseason, obviously um, taking account of us, um, Oshuala, Dana Castellanos and Jen Beattie. And congratulations on that. It's not a difficult place for players to want to go play. I mean, the, the Bay Area is beautiful. And um, when I see rumors about these players coming into NWSL, it's kind of easy to see why Bay Area would definitely be um, somewhere where they would want to go play. Yeah, well, thank you for recognizing that. I think that's part of our selling, um, <laughs> our sales product is to say, you know, what do you want to do Go when you go forward? You know, we want our players to obviously be focused on the football that we want them to be their best. We want to support them in any way that we possibly can to make them the best player so that our team will be as successful as possible. But ultimately, we also know that players will be leaving us and going on to the rest of their lives. And it's really important that they think back to their time with us and know that it was a place that was maybe a launching pad for the rest of their career, whatever that may be. And we want to support them in that way as well. Brandy, just to switch topics a little bit, there's obviously the women in soccer fair that's happening right now. And can you share a little bit more about it, the importance of it and how it's creating a safe space for women in soccer and coaches to go and mingle and learn about activism. Can you just share a little bit more about it? Sure. First and foremost, we want everybody to sign up to be a part of uh, women in soccer. So you can go to womeninsoccer.org to get a player card. This is for women. This is for those who uh, are in marginalized spaces. We do have allyship for men as well. Um, the, but this job and this career fair is strictly for women, women coaches, uh, <coughs> I, I will say from my, my perspective, I also am an aspiring coach. I would love to, to coach at the next level at some point in the future. And this is an opportunity. This career fair that we're doing now has doubled in size. We have more than four, 500 people signed up. We have more than 30 soccer organizations that um, are looking to recruit. Um, it, it's free. You know, We want to support the space in a way that our constituents need support. And maybe that's just an opportunity to have a conversation with somebody that wasn't accessible to them before. So we, we want to encourage everyone who's interested to please sign up, join us, um, be on our team. Um, there's lots of different, we have a great panel. We've got I'll just name a few. Christina Uncle, probably everybody's heard about her because she speaks for the referees and she advocates for referees. And I like to give her a hard time for that. No, <laughs> we have L. Averbush West, who, as we all know, is the GM of Gotham, who were the they who are the um, uh, trophy winners from the NWSL last season. So everybody's gunning towards Gotham, and we have oh. Uh, 
This is somebody who goes way, way, way back, um, probably before uh, Yael even kicked a soccer ball with me, which is uh, Kim Wyant. She coaches the NYU men's uh, soccer team. So, you know, there's a lot of experience there. Just a lot of things going on. Talking about activism, equitable hires, content creation, innovation. We, you know, we want to help and support the space as much as we can. So many of these people on the panel, as you mentioned, Brandy, for women in soccer and are trailblazers. You yourself are from what you did on the pitch as a player to uh, what you did as a coach. And now, especially what you're doing with Bay FC, the, it's really cool. It's inspiring. It, it's being a role model to so many young women and girls. But we hope that it becomes the norm that women are in soccer and in sport. What advice would you give to young girls and women that are hoping to break into the sports landscape? It's the same advice I give to myself. Uh, persistence. Persistence. Nobody gets to tell you no. Um, you have to go out and find your yes. So, you know, there's going to be a lot of hiccups. There's going to be a lot of hurdles. There's going to be a lot of obstacles, without a doubt. We, we've all experienced that in, in, in our daily lives or in a pursuit of something that we're really passionate about. But nobody can take your persistence away. And so just be persistent and introduce yourself. And even if you don't feel courageous or you're not brave, take a deep breath and remember that you can do it. You can do it. I find it really honest and vulnerable that you would share something like that. Like you have your own goal still in front of you, touching on wanting to to coach at the next level. Uh, what, what would that mean to you? What would that look like for you moving forward? And, and maybe kind of bridging that with something like women in soccer, that this is something that exists in place right now for folks who might have similar goals. Yeah, for me, you know, I, I have been thinking and hoping and working towards working within U.S. soccer. I, I had a recent meeting. I'm very interested in giving back what's been given to me. I, I mean, my soccer career has been nearly five decades and I just want to give back. I find that I'm my happiest, best version of myself when I'm out on the field with players. I, I, I get to give what, again, what was given to me freely. And I just think for me, my desire is to make our country and continue to make our country the best country in the world for women's soccer. And I have a little bit that I can add to it. And, and that's what I'm destined to do. Beautiful. Brandy, we really appreciate you taking the time. And obviously this woman in soccer.org, um, we definitely want to push people in that direction. Yes, go ahead. Yeah. One, one last thing is I want to make sure that everybody knows that this, um, this event that we're putting on with this career fair is being sponsored by MLS. And that's a big deal. Uh, I want to say thank you to MLS because they've been around for, let's see, after the 94 World Cup. So they, they have done an amazing job to keep soccer relevant and present here in our communities across the country. They are recognizing with their uh, with with their support of the women in soccer career fair that there is a place, a space, and a necessity to support women and women who want to work in the landscape. So thank you very much to Major League Soccer for all they're doing to help our career fair be successful. Beautiful. Again, Brandy, thank you so much for the time. We really appreciate you coming on to our show. Yeah, my pleasure. 
Women in Soccer aims to increase the agency and representation of women and marginalized individuals working in the beautiful game through community building. The organization is holding a free virtual career fair for women or anyone with a marginalized gender identity. You can register online at womeninsoccer.org to attend the remaining virtual events include one for coaches on February 8th and an industry-wide event on February 12th and 13th. And just a reminder that anyone can join the Women in Soccer Network completely free of charge. Just go to womeninsoccer.org. All right, we're going to go to a quick break and we will come back with more Attacking Third. Welcome back into Attacking Third. That was a great conversation with Brandy. Um, we love to have her on. Also, it is time for our Barclays Super League recap of the weekend. Plenty of results here. Let's go ahead and run through them. Chelsea winning 3-0 against Everton. Uh, Liverpool getting the draw with Tottenham 1-1. Manchester City and Leicester City 2-0. Man City win there. West Ham upset Arsenal 2-1. We're going to start our conversation there. Manchester United getting the win over Brighton 2-0. Aston Villa and Bristol City tying 2-2, two to two, drawing, excuse me. Um, let's go ahead and get started with this West Ham Arsenal one because <clears throat> this upset had West Ham coming back after Arsenal got on the score sheet first, Lisa. Yeah, I mean, what a crazy game. This is huge for West Ham. I said it a couple weeks ago. Watch out for this team because... But prior to their back-to-back wins, they hadn't won in over three months. Um, Then they go ahead and they pick up a a really big win over Bristol City just last week that I think truly set momentum for them to head into this game uh, against Arsenal. They end up having two shots on target. Two of them find the back of the net, and they get the win over Arsenal. Um, th- this is tough for Arsenal, right? Like, they they needed to finish their chances that they created. They needed to have better quality chances in the first half. Um, and now I think title chances are looking pretty slim for this Arsenal side. That's their third Super League loss, and um, no team has ever won the title with more than two losses. So I think it does provide some question marks for this Arsenal side about how they can – truly progress forward throughout this season and win at at all at this point. Now, Jonas Edeval talked about head coach for Arsenal about how, hey, no, it's all about perception. It's how you uh, kind of take the rest of the season with you, but they have to pick up wins. So when you look at who Arsenal's lost to, it's not like they lost to Chelsea at this point. Like this is West Ham, a side that's been struggling at the bottom of the table. They finally created some separation away from Bristol City. And and now they were able to capitalize on really big errors from Arsenal in this match and put the game away, pick up all the points. Um, the manager, Rand Skinner, is basically saying that everybody post-match saying that everybody has to be careful of an underdog and that she's just – delighted with the determination, the grit, and the attitude of this players from start to finish today. And you could see it on the pitch. Um, I know Christine's probably not too happy about this Arsenal lost, but it's bad for Arsenal. I guess their one kind of silver lining is Leah Williamson getting her first start from her ACL tear. This is true. And Lisa, just to add into the disparity of how Arsenal really should have finished, 23 shots, five on target, West Ham, four shots, two on target. That speaks volumes that they really need to work on finishing those opportunities. They they were creating them, but maybe better quality. I I don't know what was, something was not clicking for them chemistry. 11 corner kicks too. Yeah. 11 corner kicks. That is so many opportunities to put this away. I, I don't know what it is that's not clicking for them, but it needed to be better for sure. 
The game that I really wanted to talk about was Man City and Leicester. I thought Chloe Kelly looked so, so good in this match. Um, She was tearing it up on the wings, up and down the pitch. I thought her 1v1s were incredible. Uh, I think she rarely lost the ball in her 1v1. She kept possession or created something more threatening from the flanks um, and then was getting herself in really dangerous positions as well. Um, I'd say Lauren Hemp, the same thing. What I love about her is she may not, she may not do the like most appealing style that we like to see. That's like Chloe Kelly is a little bit more, I think, I don't know, attractive soccer, we'll say, but I think uh, Lauren Hemp, her desire to get in the box, her desire to defend, um, to finish off on anything like the attempts that she has. I'm like, Oh my God, she's so acrobatic. Like, I don't even know how she twists her body into these positions. And then she gets goals from it. I love her work rate and how hard she works because it really pays off in the end. And that's why she is one of the best players in the world. Um, but yeah, that's, that was my game this weekend that I was like, wow, I, I love seeing everyone else get some love. Well, obviously love bunny, but wish she scored, <laughs> but I love seeing these other forwards really get the credit they deserve and um, some goals. Yeah, I know for me, my my game to keep an eye on was was Manchester United because, you know, I think in, in a similar thread to to Arsenal, it's like the the league is is gotten getting away from Arsenal, but it has I think fully gotten away from from United. I mean, just to throw it back to that stat that that Lisa gave us, it's very difficult to win Women's Super League, especially if you've got three losses at this point. I think if you're Arsenal, also including that that draw in the mix as well. Um, but uh, they've got some work ahead of them for sure. And I think if they look at those silver linings, yes, it's going to be Williamson uh, back for sure. But I think they also have to maybe take a look in front of them in terms of what hasn't gone well for them uh, this season. I think there's examples in each of their games, and especially even after this most recent loss against West Ham, that they've had kind of these little bit of lingering issues I guess just when a team kind of presents that very physical presence maybe a low block you know that it's very difficult for for them to kind of get past the you know into their opponents there so it's just again something for them I think maybe they're going to take a look at and and hopefully try to make appropriate uh, adjustments so I think looking back this might be the weekend or stretch of a weekend that they look at and say, is this where we officially kind of let go of the league in in front of us? But I think in terms of the game that I also um, had on my radar this weekend with, with Man United, I think on the other side of that, despite maybe losing some, some footing in this, this title race that they're, still some individual performances to to kind of hang your hat on. So whether it's Chloe Kelly for, for Man City and what she's doing and stepping up for them, I spoke about her already. Got to talk about her again. Nikita Paris, I think, is putting together a really good season for, for Man United. I think you've got to look at those bright spots in between maybe some of these difficult seasons. At this point, eight goals under her belt for this season, uh, her second brace officially in, in the past two matches. I think if not for nothing else, you've got players who are going out and trying to make their impact on the pitch when they can, perhaps just for their own their own selves in their own game. But maybe if you're a player like Nikita Paris, this is a season that you could take a look at and bank on in your pocket. And hopefully maybe it gets the attention of the, the lionesses and maybe Serena Wigman will take a look and say, Hey, maybe you need, we need to get you back into some of these camps. So I would maybe like to see that uh, for Nikita Paris coming off of some of these really good games that she's put together for man United. Andrew, you know what I'm loving seeing from United as well is the connection with JC. Finally, Mm -hmm. the two assists. But I, I, 
Yeah. And even uh, Luchi Garcia, I think it's it's all kind of finally coming together. They're starting to have this chemistry and style of play where players are able to like express their own styles within the system that United is playing in, which I think is something that they've been lacking for some time. Mm-hmm. And Paris is just benefiting from it and getting herself in dangerous positions in the box. And yeah. people are setting her up for it. So it, it's good. I'm, I'm glad to see them building on what we've known that they could have been doing. Well, yeah, you do wonder if it, maybe they're just like running out of time. Like if it's just one of those things where it's like the combination of like injury and just not getting the players in place right now to have that talent gel. And now at this point, it's going to be like out of their hands to to top either Chelsea or Man City. You guys are talking about um, these players that are standouts for their teams, including for Manchester City, for Manchester United. I just want to make sure we have a quick comment on Mayra Ramirez for Chelsea because we saw her get mm-hmm. the start. Um, obviously, they got the 3-0 win, but that's not the important part. The, the important part for me is that she has so much power and vision. The ability to speed and slow the game down um, was absolutely incredible to watch. Obviously, we've seen what she can do um, prior to coming in to the WSL, and I think the biggest thing was how can she bring that into get a bit of a more difficult defense. She absolutely has it. I mean, she is strong. She is strong. I think that was the biggest thing that stood out to me was she has the wherewithal to know where she is on the pitch. She can play the balls in and pass them to her teammates while still being able to body up well. I mean, she can hold her own as like the the, the holding player, the turns. I mean, I, I'm just incredibly impressed with her. And I think that Chelsea definitely have a good signing in her, obviously, with Sam Kerr out. Um, the potential for her and Lauren James to learn how to combine incredibly together. Aaron Cuthbert as well. I mean, there, there's so many across um, Guru Wrighton on the left side all of them just kind of blending soon um, is going to be pretty unstoppable for Chelsea. I don't really see how they don't get what they need out of the the WSL and then potentially Champions League as well. Yeah, good shout. I actually had some notes on Mira Ramirez as well because it's funny. I didn't find her to be like strong, like physically that strong, especially <laughs> in this last game. But I like that I felt her strength her quality came from her hold at play in the technical aspect of she wasn't really rolling off of defenders I thought her movement set her in spaces where she was confusing the back line where she was able to turn out of positions and then go 1v1 and she actually could have had a couple of assists in this game like I think she should have her teammate should have finished the well one ended up in a penalty so I don't know whatever that counts she set it all up but um I think she should have had a couple more assists, but I thought like her ability to kind of pop in front of a defender, juke them out with her body, and then dribble and go 1v1 was so, so impressive. And I think a skill we don't see that much, we don't see that common as a typical nine, as a hold-up player. Um, But the hold-up player we did see that got the assist, Mia Fischel, shout out, go Bruins. Um, that was such a great play by Chelsea, great combination play. Um, it was hard for the defense to catch up. I mean, it just shows what chemistry they have and how quickly that goal was come about. And Cuthbert's movement and commitment to get into the box makes her so lethal. She's the She's one of those players you would kill to have on your team. The combination with Ramirez is going to come with time, right? This was only her third match, fourth, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so I, I think it'll come with time because you're right. She could have had more assists in that mm-hmm. game, but I, it, it's the relationship between players and, and kind of growing that partnership. Give it time. It'll it just makes me more excited to see like who they're going to get in yeah. the Champions League in the draw. So that was a great attacking third. Um, thank you guys for listening so much. We'll see you guys next time on Friday. Bye.